Hi, this is Andy McCluskey from Orchestral Maneuvers of the Dark, and you're listening to PX Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian C. Willie Miles. How they recruited me, my first visit to Minnesota was May the 24th. Um, it was like 75 degrees. It was only like 80 when I left Alabama. So I'm thinking, I didn't know anything about Minnesota. I didn't know anything about the weather or nothing. So when I got up here, I was thinking, oh my God, I just flew four and a half hours north and the temperature only changed five degrees. Really interesting conversation with C. Willie Miles. I think you're really going to enjoy it. The song of the week is from Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. It is a massive, massive tune. But first we have a dumb bit. Here's a bit we haven't done for a while. It's called... What kind of nonsense is that? Well, I'm sure you saw all the controversy, or as they say in the controversy, over a friend of the show, Kathy Griffin, uh, holding up the uh, uh, the bloody mask of our president, Donald Trump. Now, um, of course, you could take this a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, you, you could say it's a threat to the president, and it's, you know, but she is a comedian. We have to remember that, so... But still, if you want to take that track, I, I don't have a really good argument against that, so that's fine. Um, a lot of people are like me in the comedy business, and I'm not really part of the comedy business, although I interview comedians and I, I do a dumb podcast that's about comedy. But uh, a lot of people were saying, you know, it wasn't particularly funny. Not that it was offensive, not funny. It just wasn't funny. I didn't get what the joke was supposed to be, and a lot of people didn't. And then a lot of people, uh, Michael Malone, friend of the show, tweeted out, he goes, you know, she shouldn't have apologized. And no, she shouldn't have. I mean, if people were think it was a threat to the president, then yeah, that's fine. Maybe she should have apologized, I guess. But as far as it being an offensive joke, first of all, again, don't get the joke. And secondly, you know, that's in comedy, people, sometimes you get offended and you just don't think that it's funny. That's all. So uh, anyway, what I thought was really weird about this and what other people have pointed this out is that uh, there's another uh, fella in the entertainment business uh, who has said, well, he said things like this. I was in Chicago last week. And then this happens. When former vice presidential nominee Sarah Palin visited the White House last night at the invitation of President Trump, she brought along rockers Ted Nugent and Kid Rock. Wait, what? Did we forget that happened? So let's quick review. Uh, Kathy Griffin holds up a mask of Donald Trump with a uh, uh, bloody head. And again, it's supposed to be a joke. Don't get it. But she does it. And she uh, is fired by CNN. Uh, all kinds of crap falls down on her. And this is in liberal Hollywood, by the way. So keep that in mind. But then Ted Nugent wants Obama to suck on a machine gun. And hey, why don't you come to the White House? <laughs> we'd, be lo- we'd, we'd love to have you. And yeah, don't get all up in my face about this. Oh, well, you said that when Obama was a senator. Doesn't matter. Look it up on your internet machine, as Emo Phillips calls it. And look up all the horrible things Ted Nugent said about President Obama after he was president, calling him a mongrel and all kinds of other horrible, horrible things. And yet, he still gets invited to the White House. And by the way, this is a guy who shat himself to get out of Vietnam. Look that up. It's a true story. Yeah, he was drafted. And uh, just look it up. It's it, 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 Talk about a piece of shit. Ted Nugent. All right, so... By the way, uh, I went on a rant about Ted, uh, gosh, 
back episode, it was uh, years ago, four or five years ago, and uh, it's the only negative review we've ever gotten on the show. Somebody got so upset about my rant about Ted that they gave us a one-star review on iTunes. All right, so anyway, quick review. Kathy Griffin uh, holds up Bloody Mask of Trump, uh, gets all kinds of crap for it. Ted Nugent uh, uh, says all kinds of horrible things about President Obama and then gets invited to the White House. What kind of nonsense is that? See, Willie Miles is a stand-up comedian originally from Mobile, Alabama, but he got his start in Minnesota, but not actually in that Minnesota comedy scene. Uh, he took a detour through athletics, and he talks all about that in our interview. The sheet here, the things you may not know about C. Willie Miles, and it, it, it's quite informative. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of like uh, when Marin always starts with asking people, you know, hey, where are you from? Where'd you grow up, man? So you grew up in Alabama, uh, ostensibly. That's right, man. Mo- in uh, Mobile, Alabama. It's, uh, it's unusual, man, because it was just up recently. I shouldn't say recently. I think I always knew, but historically, I started in a little town uh, that's made some big news down in Alabama not too long ago. A few years back, uh, a little historical town called Africa Town, uh, which was renamed Plateau by the time I was born and lived there. But it was uh, it's very historic and traced my roots back to there. So born and raised in Mobile. So it's a little town right outside of Mobile, but I, I grew up actually in Mobile. And what's the significance of Africa Town and why did they change the name? Well, it, uh, Africa Town, uh, you go back in history, uh, 1860. Uh, one uh, after there was one of the last slave ships to ever come into uh, the country, and it was there, uh, and it landed in Mobile, um, and it uh, and that's where they settled the last uh, set of Africans uh, settled there, uh, and um, they were hidden away there because the ship was illegal, ah. and um, there's a whole story about it, and uh, it. Uh, and that's kind of where my my, my mom uh, grew up. Uh, that's where we all. Uh, that's kind of where the our our roots began on this on this continent. And so, uh, growing up there, were you interested in sports, entertainment? I know you went, you know, to uh, you a lot of uh, interest in football and basketball, and and went on a, to a college on a football scholarship. In fact, but were you always interested in in both, or how did all that pan out? Oh man, it was it was. Uh, it was weird. I mean, I, I grew up uh, in a very sort of uh, a big family. Uh, I have nine older sisters and uh, athletic. Uh, so, at, you know, we knew, I knew actually early in my life that the only way I was going to get out of the project, which is where I grew up, was going to be through athletics. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities there for us otherwise. Um, you know, academics was, was really important in, in our family, but it was, you know, the means was to get an athletic scholarship so you could, um, you can get a scholarship so you wouldn't have to worry about paying for anything when you went on to college. And, um, at the time when I was coming out of high school, um, unfortunately down south, there wasn't a whole lot of academic scholarships being offered even to the top African American kids coming out of school. So athletically, it was going to have to do it for me. And, uh, and and that's what happened. That's why I wound up at St. Cloud State on a football scholarship. Okay. And what position did you play? 
how the defense are back. Okay. And yeah. uh, any aspirations of going pro at all, or was it was that going to be the the limit? You think? No, that was it. Was it was always aspirations, and uh, I did wind up going up to Canada uh, for a couple of years. Um, really? Uh, trying out, and uh, actually, uh, even uh, the USFL, Chicago Blitz. No way. Um, so had a nice uh, had workout tryouts, and you know. And it gets, it's, it comes down to the point, either, you know, the money wasn't that great. I mean, yeah. you want to do that for a thing you head in and, or you want to get a job. Right. <laughs> and just go to work every day uh, and not get up and have to worry about, uh, concussions and so forth. But yeah, I had my, I had a nice little run where, you know, I went up to, to Canada a couple of years and, uh, tried out and, you know, stuck around for weeks, weeks at a time and, and so forth. But, you know, it was just to see if you were good enough to make it to the next level. That's right. But, you and- know. And at the end of the day, you you got to practice and, and and play with some of the guys from all around the country, some of the best players in the world, and that's pretty much all you can ask for, you know. And uh, if you don't make the team, you don't make the team. At least you had an opportunity to try out. So true, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Canadian Football League and also of defunct football leagues like the USFL. So that's kind of USFL, yeah. That's kind of cool. Uh, Greg Landry was the was the. Uh, the quarterback there when yeah. I showed up there and uh, yeah he was and I got to meet uh, um, uh, uh, actual head coach and general manager as well so it was, it was real nice that was kind of a mess of that team because they ended up after the 83 season the owner right. of the uh, Blitz who was a dentist switched franchises right. with the guy in Arizona yeah so did you but you were That's in just you, weird yeah. No, I wasn't. I never. I didn't make the team. I was. But I know. But, I was down there and I made it to the, the final cut. Right. And uh, which was nice. Uh, so. And uh, it was, you know, to go up against some of the, you know, it was some, it was some great players down there. You know, Vince Evans was the quarterback down there, and yep. uh, You know, uh, so it was it was great to to, to be there, and, and legendary coach George Allen. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know, it was just, it was, uh, it was great to meet those, you know, those people. And because you only see them on TV and you never, you know, I was a kid out of St. Cloud State, you know, I was down there just pressing my luck, you know. Yeah. You got, you get the call that you, you made the, the, the tryout, show up at camp at a certain time. And, you know, that's all you can do is put yourself in a position where, you know, you can, uh, make a difference in the, you know, and you, you're going to get some of the best in the, in the country. So. You can't be mad at it. It's no, better than oh you, no! So. It's like you said you got you got the opportunity. It's it's uh, weird. Exactly. Too. It's weird too how how kind of poorly that team was supported in comparison because um, the uh, the World Football League Chicago Fire drew like thirty thousand right. fans in the seventies, but the Blitz uh, they couldn't catch a cold there in uh, Soldier Field. No, <laughs> no, they couldn't. It was it was just weird though too because I mean it, it was just, you know and that was during a time too you know you you had the Bears and you had the Bulls and uh, the stock. I mean, they just had too much professionals. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you know, a lot of competition. I really wanted to go to Birmingham uh, to the Stallions, you know, because I was from Alabama. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you, and uh, they could have been a great uh, franchise. But, again, I mean, they were the only pro team in town. So, Did you ever go to any of their games? No. Oh, no, I did not, actually. Okay. And, uh, it was, you know, I mean, it was one of those things where, uh, I, I did catch a, a, a few games, but I, I never went to the game, but it was a game. I went to a couple of USFL games, yeah. Oh, okay. Neat. And then you wound up being an assistant football and basketball coach back at your alma mater at St. Cloud. Yeah, I did. After I realized, you know, you know, after, you know, I was kind of working on the side and then, 
and then trying out for different different teams and stuff. And then I decided, you know, I was done doing that after three three years or so. And then I decided to, to go into coaching. And uh, after the athletic director there uh, asked me to, to help out, they had a kid that would bring in a great basketball player from the West Coast. Uh, he was a transfer kid that spent a couple of five years, I think, in the Navy. And he wound up at Long Beach State and, uh, they want, he, he was transferring in and, and he, he wanted somebody around. He was an African American kid. Like when I was going to St. Cloud State, there wasn't that many African American students there. So, uh, he asked me if I would help out with the basketball team. He was bringing in a guy and he was from Alabama and, uh, he said it just, you know, he needs someone older. And I was older at, you know, 24 years old. He was, John and I were about the same age. And so when they brought him in, uh, to, uh, play basketball there, I joined the, the, the men's basketball team as an assistant coach and more of a counselor than anything and, and uh, helped him through and then I helped him start recruiting and next thing you know six years later you know <laughs> I didn't intend on coaching that long but then after a few years I wound up recruiting this kid out of Milwaukee Wisconsin named Reggie Perkins who uh, wound up being a great basketball player at St. Cloud State two-time All-American and uh, two-time league MVP and then also he would play for the Globetrotters Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, great player. He's actually the athletic director at Washburn High School now. Um, he coached basketball at Washburn High School as well and won the state championship, I want to say, four years ago. Uh, so he's a great kid. And uh, just so happened, his mom uh, made me promise her if if he went to St. Cloud State that I would stay until he graduated. That's how I wound up coaching as long as I did. I didn't oh, wow. even coach that long. So where does comedy come into it then? Well, it was, it was weird, man. And I, I'll tell you, to be honest, it, I backed into comedy. And uh, the whole, it's a whole story behind it. Because when I left Alabama, when St. Cloud State recruited me, uh, the real story is um, how they recruited me. My first visit to Minnesota was May the 24th. Um, it was like 75 degrees. It was only like 80 when I left Alabama. So I'm thinking, I didn't know anything about Minnesota at all. I didn't know nothing about the weather or nothing. But when I got up here, I was thinking, oh, my God, I just flew four and a half hours north, and the temperature only changed five degrees. <laughs> no, the same weather pattern as Alabama. This is all I was saying this to myself. And when I got up here and that thing drove me around and I saw, you know, people having classes outside and people walking around and they were showing me how you have classes out by the river, by, you know, it was like the parks and I, they drove me up to Raina and showed me the chain of lakes and over to Taylor's Falls and Stillwater. I'm like, oh, this is so beautiful. And I'll never forget it. I, I went home with my father asking how was my visit. I said it was. I said it was like Mayberry ad. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I said everybody talked alike. They looked alike. They had the same kind of car. They all knew one another. They lived in the same kind of houses. My dad said, "Well, you can't judge a book by the cover, son." He said, "Before you make your final decision, you need to go visit more schools." So I did. I go to San Jose State, New Mexico State, Texas Tech, Central Florida, Georgia Southern. I finally. Called the football coach back at St. Cloud State. Said, "Coach, I want to come back for a second visit, but I want to make sure St. Cloud is the right fit for me because really we love to have you because we think you'll fit perfectly in our community." Now, at the time I went to college at St. Cloud State, the city itself was about ninety-five percent German Catholic, so I fit right in. <laughs> yeah, <And> it was. <laughs> I'm just saying, it wasn't. I just, my second trip was July the nineteenth. It was ninety degrees when I arrived. It was 95 when I left Alabama. Coincident? Huh. Five degrees. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, this is just like home. 
So I made a snap decision that St. Cloud State was going to be my school of choice. And this is where things started to get a little dicey. St. Cloud State thought they had six to eight months of explaining me how cold it got. But what they didn't know, and I felt they informed them that I was graduating high school early. I graduated in December. And I remember calling the football coach on 18th of December. I said, Coach, I graduated last night. I want to know if it's possible if I could start school early. Now, generally when a high school football player calls his college coach and tells him he's graduated high school early, there's a jubilant conversation that follows. No, nothing but awkward silence. And if I'd been listening carefully back then, I could have heard him go, rock roll. Huh. <laughs> they pretty much ran out of time. <clears throat> True story. I wound up showing up to college my freshman year, the first day of January the 5th. It was 27 below zero. Oh, my God. I know. I'm getting out of this aircraft when it's landing. I'm thinking, oh, my God. I couldn't see nothing. I'm like, it is foggy up here. <laughs> and this lady said next to me, she went, baby, where you from? I was like, Alabama. She just looked away and went, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true story. So, like, what, I didn't know anything about cold weather. I never heard of frostbite. I didn't. I never heard of mittens. We never wore mittens in Alabama. No. We had gloves, but hey, yeah. I didn't know a mitten. You know? <laughs> so, as years goes on, my roommate and friend at the time, eventually, when we got out of college, opened up a restaurant. Upstairs, he had a nice ballroom. He says, Willie, I'm going to open up a comedy club. He says, everybody in town knows you. Everybody likes you. And I was pretty popular in St. Cloud. After I, you know, after I was done with athletics, I, I wound up working in the city and I lived and I coached there. So everybody did know me. And then by the time he opened up the comedy club, we had, we had a run of uh, basketball conference championships where the basketball team was ranked number one in the nation. So, you know, everybody in town knew all the coaches and players and so forth. So he said, you should be my MC and tell some of those funny stories about when you start coming, when you first came to Minnesota uh, okay. from Alabama. And so that's how it all literally started. My whole career was built on me talking about Minnesota. I have six huh. CDs, and I think I have three of them that are just based in just about the Midwest and the weather. I mean, and it is just uh, the, the last... Uh, the CD I did before my last one was called uh, The Big Cop. It was, it was one of my best, biggest sellers, and I recorded it live in uh, northern Wisconsin. And, uh, and it just, it was played on uh, NPR for, for a year, you know, and it was, it was really nice. And so I think one of the one only pure stand-up comedy played in its entirety, I think, ever on NPR. Yeah, I saw that on so, the uh, fact sheet here. Yeah. And I believe that that was true. And they, they recorded it live, and I didn't even know it. And I was getting really good emails from all around the country asking where could they buy the CD. And I didn't know what they were talking about. And I had forgotten I had given them permission to record the audio but not uh, to uh, reproduce it. Yeah. So they could play it and but not uh, sell it. And then when they came to me and said, there are so many requests for the CD, is there any, would you like to record this? And I said, yes. And they gave it to me, the raw footage, just, they gave it to me. So we left it as is, as, as a tent show radio, uh, with commercials and everything in it. And took it to the studio and, and just recorded it as is and sold it. And it was just great. And they expected we gave them, uh, like a huge, uh, the, the record label sent them a whole shipment of them that they could sell for themselves. Uh, because we really appreciate them giving us the, the footage. Yeah. 
and they didn't even charge us for it. So it was really nice. That is nice. Uh, so from the emceeing, did you realize you had a, a, a knack for this, and did you start like doing open Absolutely. mics? Absolutely. Okay. And that's the thing. I, start, I, I wound up emceeing for two years in St. Cloud at a place called Charlie's, and uh, it was uh, Scott Hanson's Comedy Gallery, uh, but the, the Charlie's was the place, and I never worked with Scott Hanson. Um, we, um, when we started out there as an MC, Charlie paid me, uh, really well to be the MC there. And I was there for two years, uh, when I was the house MC. And when I left in Minneapolis, when he said open mic, I never really did open mic. Um, I didn't have to do that. I didn't, I was never an opening act. Uh, I did that very briefly. Uh, but when I opened, I opened for people like George Wallace. Oh, okay. Or like Marsha Wallfield. Yeah. You know, um, shortly after I came to Minneapolis, I wound up signing with a, a, a small record label, um, that was a spinoff, I think, from Paisley Park, um, that Prince was working indirectly with, uh, called Excel Productions. And it was run by a lady named Rose Nebo. And, um, she was awesome. She signed me to a, a, a contract, and I started touring around the country, opening up for um, lesser-known R&B stars uh, that are up and coming uh, R&B and singers and stuff. And then, so got to work with people like Alexander O'Neill uh, and, and out of Minneapolis and so forth. And and, um, and it was it was great. And then that generated me bigger acts like The Temptations, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, Ray Charles, Aretha uh, Franklin. So I kind of got a reputation of opening up for nice R&B stars. Yeah. And uh, my favorite you know, band, the Beach Boys. And the Beach Boys. I, yeah, I worked with the Beach Boys at Mystic Lake. It was just a, it was one of my greatest, uh, I, you know, I was a, you know, going to college in St. Cloud, you kind of got to listen to a lot of kind of music. There wasn't a lot of R&B stations up in St. Cloud. So right, right. I kind of got, got hooked on the top 40, top music and stuff like that when I was going to college and, until, um, you know, until you can get to Minneapolis and go to the nightclubs and stuff and hear some, you know, the music that you were accustomed to when you were growing up and so forth. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, after doing that and I wind up, uh, uh, doing, uh, uh, cruise ships and so forth. And, and then, uh, my, my road, my, my manager at the time and business manager, uh, John Kimbrough, which, uh, who was from my hometown, actually, he, he went to St. Cloud State too. He was the reason why St. Cloud State recruited me, actually, because he played football at St. Cloud State and wound up playing for, um, being a number three draft pick from St. Cloud State to the Buffalo Bills. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. And, um, he, uh, he was my manager for, for years until he retired and moved to Texas. And, uh, and then I signed with the current agency that represents me now, Geoberg Entertainment, which is really right out of Minneapolis there. Oh, well, there you go. Coming yeah, full, man, coming full know, circle. And, yeah, exactly. And that's because I wanted to do, stay in the type of the work that I'm doing now. I like to do uh, public stuff, but I like to do corporate stuff as well. And, you know, we sprinkle in some colleges here and there, but the majority of my work is, uh, you know, um, I like doing South Cedar Theater. So I do a lot of, you know, five to... 1200 feet theaters in, in, uh, Minneapolis, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin. You know, cool. so that's, that's kind of what I, even though I live in California, I just love coming back to the Midwest because that's, that's where I love to perform. Yeah. And yeah, you, you have that, uh, you have that nice easygoing manner that kind of, you've got, got really good facial expressions when you're, uh, punctuating your punchlines. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, you can definitely see the appeal, uh, very right. easily. 
Oh yeah, and that's that's the thing I like, and, and you know I get a lot of flack because people, you know, in this industry, I learned very early, and like I said, John Kimbrough was one was a a great influence on me in that in, in teaching me that there's a difference between what type of entertainer you want to be. You want to be uh, successful, or you want to be famous, and, and we chose success over fame, and, and that's how I don't have a lot of the fame that a lot of guys have, but I have as much success. Yeah, uh, and, and that to me, that's way more important than fame because you can be famous for a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, think about what just happened to Kathy Griffin, you right? Know? <laughs> I mean, well, the thing you don't too want to is be famous for stuff like that. Well, not only that though, but you think about you think of the most famous people that you know, entertainers. You can find a handful of people right around you that have no idea who they are. Especially nowadays, Wake entertainment is so fragmented. You could say, "Oh, I listen to this and this artist uh, music." And people say, "Who's that?" Or I watch this TV show. What's that? You'd be surprised. I used to work for the number one radio station in the Cincinnati. Uh, he had the number one rated show in the afternoon. A man named Gary Burbank, and I would still tell people, "I write for Gary Burbank." And they'd be like, "Oh, I don't know what that is. Who is that?" <laughs> so you just don't know. Like you said, all you've got to do is go to all you've got to do is go to a town. You know, put a couple, uh, you know, a couple thousand butts in the seats, and you're there. And that's 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 the way you do it. And bands know this, and comedians like you know this. That's that's the secret to success, right there. You have your audience. It really is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's what we looked at, it. and that's why we go to towns like that. You know, uh, I go out to Wilmer, and I go up to a Detroit Lake. Yeah, uh, I'll go down. There. I was just down at Austin at the Austin Paramount Theater. Uh, I'll go over to Menominee, Wisconsin. You know, I, I had places like that that have beautiful uh, historic theaters, and you come in there and do a show. I even go down like the Fairbowl. Uh, matter of fact, I'm gonna be there in October or November, I believe. And I love, I love doing those type of theaters. I love doing those shows. And at the end of the day, you're right. It, it, those, you're famous to those people. Right, and that's but all you need. You're just, you're, you're just, you're just successful. Right. You're successful with putting butts in the seats, and that's what everybody wants. Yep. And people want to laugh, and I. My humor has always been uh, clean. I've been asked, uh, encouraged by uh, club owners when I was doing comedy clubs, and really that, that's one of the big reasons why I think I, I, I strayed away from them. Uh, the only one I keep on my list is Acme. That's why I'm coming back there. Uh, Lewis has uh, always been in my corner. Uh, he loves the type of humor that I do because I want to entertain everybody. I want to exactly. be an entertainer. I don't want to just be a comedian. Yep, exactly. You know, I want generations of me. I like three, four gener generations sitting in that audience because when you get three to four generations laughing at the same story, no, you're funny. That's to me, that's the epitome of being funny when you've got someone from 20 to 90 laughing at the same story. Yep. You know what I mean? And yeah. to me, that, that, that makes me, that, that completes me. That says I'm successful. Well, well put. And uh, I thank you for taking the time today, C. Willie. Uh, this will be in print and online in City Pages the week you're up there in Minnesota. And uh, the podcast episode, this will probably be my Sunday episode, the one that drops this Sunday. And I'll send you the links for that. And uh, hopefully we'll get you down here in Cincinnati sometime where I'm at. Uh, we'd love to see you. Absolutely, man. We'd, we'd love to. Terrific. All right. I'll, I'll put the word in with, uh, with the club here. And uh, I'll, oh. send, I'll send the book or your email. Oh, please, man. Appreciate it. Man. All right. Super. Well, good talking to you, C. Willie. Thanks. Hi, right, brother. All Thank right. you. Right, bye bye. Thanks again to C. Willie Miles for being on the show. You can catch C. Willie 
at the Acme Comedy Company there in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's going to be June 13th through the 17th. And then for the rest of his dates, uh, you want to go to americaseverydaycomedian.com. And he has his schedule listed right there. Uh, as he was saying in the interview, he does... Um, he does some cruise ships. He does corporate events, uh, which is, makes a lot of sense because he's uh, he does some very funny, clean comedy. And uh, I forgot to bring up to him. I did an interview once a long time ago. I can't remember who it was with, but it was a guy that was did work blue, really blue on stage. And then he decided to go clean just to get more gigs because he uh, realized nobody ever came up to him and said, you know, your act should be dirtier. Although the Booker Co. Bananas once told me that uh, someone walked out of the show saying, I thought he'd swear more. So who knows? Um, but yeah, uh, see Willie, very fun. You can check him out on YouTube, of course, and see if he's your cup of tea. I think he will be. So do check him out. All right, so we're up to the song of the week, and uh, how exciting. I didn't even know this was really in the works. I knew OMD was working on a new album, but we were all told fall. And all of a sudden, um, Monday, this past Monday, in the OMD group, it says that the uh, new single is coming out tomorrow, which would be Tuesday, which is also weird because the uh, songs are not released on Friday, but... Uh, OMD doing it old school, still releasing stuff on a Tuesday. Uh, well, the new track is called Isotype, and uh, a lot of chatter on the OMD Facebook page about it. Uh, I will be honest, uh, I do love it, and I've listened to it a lot this week. Um, it does sound a lot like the recent stuff, which is cool, because that's all great. And it does have a similar, it has a similar melody, I would say, to the history of Modern, which was uh, two albums uh, previous. And it has uh, kind of the same kind of background feel as Metroland. But those are two great tunes, so I'm not mad at them. Uh, it does sound uh, familiar for the lately stuff, but it's still a great track. It is still the song of the week. This is Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, Isotype, PS Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. system.